Now, if you heard that, that's going to be going away because we are going to have a new intro for the Red Alert Podcast. I got to take time to make it, though. So if you're joining us, we're the Red Alert Podcast. Me and Cindy are here to talk Red Wings hockey with you. You know, we talk Red Wings hockey every week. And unfortunately... You're such a a slacker, Joe. You don't have the stuff ready yet. What the heck? Well, (laughs) well, here's here's the thing. I I made it, and then I realized... Oh my God! Like this is not gonna go good because I think that there are some people out there that would kind of uh, say it's like copyright infringement. Because uh, don't do that. So I learned my lesson off that before. So I gotta kind of rework it. So I'm just—you know—I'm just giving you a hard time because it's Christmas. I gotta give you something. Well, we know that there's a—we know that there's a TV company in, with the Detroit Red Wings that's going broke. So <laughs> we don't need any any of those people coming towards us. But welcome to the Red Alert Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, along with Cindy Perry. And Cindy is, uh, she just has a pathetic photo right now because, you know, that's what she's doing. Because and I'm in an undisclosed location, Joe. This is like a secret undisclosed location. And we're, unfortunately, we got to talk about the rubbings. And I know we, like, me and you have said some of the things that we've said. But you got to take a victory lap because there was one person that you said was going to make the roster at the train at training camp, and that was Michael Hutchinson. Yeah. Now, now we didn't know he, all these things that have to happen to get Michael Hutchinson on the roster. And I still didn't think they would get Michael Hutchinson on the roster because of he would have to pass their waivers and all that stuff. But they did. Yep. So you take your victory lap. And I'm going. Here I go. Victory lap. Here's the thing. Here's what I saw at training camp. Why I said, keep your eye on Michael Hutchinson. I said this on the show right during that period of time. There were a couple of things that I saw from him. First off, very sharp in that, actually. I think just, you know, whatever his issues were, uh, he just had some other guys ahead of him that I think the wings felt were a little more reliable. Okay. But very sharp in that, uh, what I saw. I also saw them doing a lot of work with Hutchinson. I saw them having a lot of top guys. Uh, taking shots on net with him, working with him. And uh, whenever I see that, I'm like, you know what? Something, they got this guy coming. And I think a matter of what was, I think they all, the Wings always saw Michael Hutchinson as part of their future. I just don't think they saw it this soon uh, for one reason or another. And they already had commitments too in other areas. So I think it was just a matter of space and um, just a matter of the combination of, of guys they had. But uh, I think Michael Hutchinson was always part of the program. I, I was actually a little surprised he didn't make the roster just because I saw the attention and all the time. And, and just he looked real sharp, just real sharp, you know. Um, a very good. He, he's very good with the glove, which is tough. A lot of goalies aren't, and he is. It seems to be a strength of his uh, on his glove hand, glove side. So that's, that's good news, too. So I, I think what I'm hoping for, Joe, honestly, is – I'm looking for Michael Hutchinson to be our Jordan Biddington, you know, um, guy that's, you know, way down in depth somewhere and all these amazing, horrible, unfortunately, things happen with injuries and things of this nature. And all of a sudden you get a guy like that. They gave him a one-year contract. I think that speaks something too. It's not they're like they're just bringing him up. They're giving him that one-year contract. And I wouldn't be surprised if they extend him after this season, if he shows up the way he did, uh, in training camp and stays consistent with that. So, um, I, I, I'm hoping he can be our Jordan Bington and, and we can have a Cinderella season like St. Louis did. It is not too late. Everyone's thinking it's too late. Is it time to hit the panic button? I'm seeing all these kind of headlines. I'm going to tell you, no, it is not. Uh, everyone just stay calm. Everything's going to be okay. And if he can be our Jordan Bington, that means we're set 
for a possible Cinderella season. How about that? Well, I don't think he's going to be your Jordan Biddington, but I think that he could come in and maybe help you out a little bit. And maybe if you do find something, you know, you don't expect it, but you hope that, you know, when you give a guy a chance that he kind of runs with it, that's what you're hoping for, right? And I think that the Red Wings goaltending has been an issue for them. We know that because in the last, you know, we could put the graphic up right now. I mean, none of the goalies are really playing their best hockey right now. You know, yeah, really, Joe. Like, how much worse could it get? Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, Alex Alex Lyon's playing good hockey, but you know, how long will that last? I mean, James Reimer, he got he got beat down last night, and it's not all his fault. But it's look, it's kind of a it's kind of a split tandem. You know, the Red Wings, uh, their goaltending issue is not just goaltending; it's defense as well. And what I look at with this is if. If Hutchinson could be serviceable, that could help the Detroit Red Wings out a lot. And I think that they need someone to steady the net right now. And if I I don't think if if Hutchinson isn't the guy, or you know they still have these issues going in in January, I think it's imperative that kind of uh, you know Steve Eisman goes and makes a move for a goalie because I don't think you can wait that long. Now, who is he going to go for? I mean, I've heard Mark Andre Fleury is available could be available. And people don't like him because he's older. But the reality of the situation is, at some point, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make a decision of who you're gonna have on this roster, and who's gonna be your goalie that you want to take into the playoffs if you make it. I know there's a lot of people out there saying, you know, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs or they're pushing the panic button. It's the same thing I told Lions fans, and I'm a great grief counselor. I've been a Lions podcaster for about two years. <laughs> I love it, grief counselor. <laughs> I'm a public grief counselor. Now, here's the thing. You're not as bad as you, you're playing right now, and you're not as good as you were early in the season. You're kind of in the middle, and that's all right because sometimes your good is super, super good, and sometimes your bad can be horrible. And we see that in the NFL right now. You know, we saw the, the San Francisco 49ers lose three straight, and now they look like a world beaters. So it's across the, le- the across the whole spectrum of sports. I mean, when we were talking about 2002 Red Wings, right? They didn't win a game in April. People forget that. And then, you know, if you look at the 08 Red Wings, they they won four games in January and February. Four. So it's a long season. You're going to have bumps in the road, and this is one of them. And you know what? It's a good thing that you built out a great first half of the season where now you can kind of, if you're on, like, you're on a bad territory right now of, you know, losing seven out of six. But – you have a shot, you know, you, six out of seven. You have a shot to just kind of put this together. And the Christmas break comes at a perfect time for the Red Wings. God knows they need it. I mean, I think they need the opportunity to kind of step back a minute, reset, you know, hit that reset button and reevaluate. There's no doubt right now also they're incredibly frustrated. They've said by their own admission, Dylan Larkin has said it. Mo Sider has said it. Uh, Derek Malone has said it. A number of other players have said it. I think Comforts has said it. Kane said it. They're trying everything they can. They're throwing everything at this. They don't know, you know, trying to fix it. And sometimes when you're in that situation, what you really need to do, instead of trying to kind of fit a square peg in a round hole, what you got to do is you got to step back a minute and just let it, let it sit, let it rest and reevaluate and then come back, come back fresh You'll have a fresh perspective, a new set of eyes, fresh legs, fresh everything, a different attitude. 
don't think about hockey for a couple of days. You know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's almost impossible for these guys. It's like when people tell me, you know, don't don't think about what I do for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it's tough, right? I mean, you, it's like, you, how can I stop the brain, right? No, you can't stop thinking about that because that's a, your your business is a twenty four seven line of work. Well, that's true. That's and true. you deal so, with and you deal with crazy people because you're you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. a specialist at crazy. You're the public grief counselor, and I'm the specialist with crazy. So it works out just great. So um, no worries. But so I think that's what they. I think you're right. I think they need this from a psychological perspective. They probably also need it from a physical perspective because this team is tired. And it was interesting. You know, I was listening to Ozzy and uh, Larry Murphy yesterday in their in kind of their post game analysis, and a couple of things struck me. One, they said, you know, no no player or coach is going to come out and say, hey, we're tired physically retired and then it was so funny because then dylan larkin the first thing he said was oh we played a lot of hockey <laughs> basically saying that you know but but god bless him because i think he's being very frank and honest about where this team is at and that's the one thing i can appreciate about dylan larkin he really doesn't sugarcoat stuff uh he just he, he wears his heart on his sleeve which sometimes people he's been criticized for but hey he just says what he feels and it's genuine so uh, he basically acknowledged the fact that this team is tired. I think they're tired physically, of course, because of their schedule, but they're also tired psychologically, emotionally. And they've had to deal with, you know, a lot of change, right? Again, uh, some huge injuries, two injuries in net, right? They've got Patrick Kane coming on board. And I'll tell you what, I don't care who you are. You've got a player, the caliber of Patrick Kane that comes into your organization and He's basically a living legend. Everyone acknowledges this. I think some people are looking for him to be the savior, by the way. Don't don't look at that. And we're going to talk about Patrick Kane specifically later on. But the fact is you got a player of that caliber coming onto your roster, and now you got to kind of learn his game. Got to, you know, he's learning yours, but you also have to learn how he plays. And if he's playing at such a, an elevated level, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. So everybody's got to learn how to play together. Everybody's got to start to understand each other on the ice as well as in the locker room as well, you know? So you've got those adjustments to make and the Red Wings have just had a whole lot of adjustments to make in a time when they've been really pressed uh, in terms of the schedule and they're tired on both fronts. So I agree with you. I think this break will do them good. And I think you're going to see a different team come back, not maybe the first game after the break, but I think um, you know maybe second, third game you're gonna you're gonna start to see a different Red Wings team. Well, we got some comments in the comment section, so we're gonna get to that right now. Brittany Hemming, she says, "Well, we need a goalie that has the ability to steal some games with the when the defense is not playing well. You know, that's what every team is looking for. And if you can find one of those guys, you have to take it. And hopefully, you know, it's it's gonna be hard to get a guy who is gonna be." at this point in the season, come in and do that. I mean, it could be a guy in the like Hutchinson. It could be a guy like Costa that maybe you think at the end of the season, or maybe it could be a guy that you don't even have on your roster you trade for. But that's 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 what you had to look at. Uh, Brandon Mueller, uh, he says, they are done. The goaltending is done. The offense can't keep up. It's over this season. I look forward to the deadline. Hopefully Stevie Y will do what he does. And then Brittany Hemming says, again, we can't put everything into one player. Talking about your Patrick Kane assessment, Cindy. We're going to get to that right now. But um, we need everyone to step up. And I think what she says right there is exactly what we need to talk about. Because I don't think it's a Patrick Kane issue. I don't think it's a Red, I don't think it's a total Red Wing issue. Okay? I think the Red Wings, um, when, they, when you get a player like Patrick Kane or any player – like whenever a new player comes onto the roster, 
you know, one of the things that I heard a lot of analysts say across the NHL is good thing he's coming in in December and not March. Because when you come in in March, you're kind of, you're trying to learn this team really quickly. And then you're going into the playoffs, you know, if you make a trade deadline acquisition. This was not a trade deadline acquisition. This was more a free agent acquisition, but you got him in December. So there's going to be an acclimation period. I think a lot of people were thinking that Patrick Kane was going to come in here and be, you know, Patrick Kane of old, but I think he still needs to get his legs underneath him. And I also don't think it helped that Larkin wasn't in, in for a couple games. Confer wasn't in for a couple games. Perron's I mean, still out. David Perron was still out. You know, you had, you know, Andrew Kopp stepping up and, and God bless his heart. I mean, JT Confer and Dylan Larkin are way better players. So, the, the Red Wings have dealt with a lot of injuries lately, okay? So the fact that, you know, I, I see Brandon's comment, I go, you kind of got to take into perspective, okay? Like, this isn't as bad as it looks. I know it could be doom and gloom all the time. You could you could look at it and you can go, oh, it's it can't it's going to get a lot worse from here. The season's done. The season's over with. But last year, I told people on the Lions podcast, I said, look, they are one and six at that time. And I said, look, there's signs that they are going to get this thing together. Now, they're not going to be a perfect team. But you have to remember that this is such a long season. Things change very, very quickly in all sports, except basketball. Basketball may be the only one that doesn't change in, in like, a broad spectrum, like Major League Baseball, uh, NHL, and NFL. But I told people that. And the fact of the matter is that you're still early in the season. You built up a good lead uh in the in the division you and now you're out of the playoff right now but you're gonna get yourself back in there when you're healthy and this break comes at a great time i can't reiterate that enough like this is like the best time to have a break you know if you're struggling you kind of want this break to happen right now you got two more games maybe you can win one of them and then kind of go into the break with a little bit of ammunition and you know you're not as i know the players don't think that they're as bad as they're playing right now well, and that's where their frustration comes from, Joe. Their frustration comes from knowing that they are better than their recent game results show. They know they're better than this. And, right. and yeah, and and it's just a matter of things clicking into place. It's like Dylan Larkin said, you know, they're just not clicking right now. That's That's understandable, actually. Frustrating for us, frustrating for them, but understandable. And Brandon, my darling, my darling, let me tell you what, my good friend Darren McCarty just told me the other day, I talked to him all the time and you know what? I was freaking out just like you. I really was. I was, I was just losing my, you know what? Right. And I was explaining this to Darren and Darren McCarty says to me, he said, Cindy, it is way too early for you to be this emotionally invested. He (laughs) said maybe in March or April, he didn't even say January, February. He said, maybe if this is the situation in March or April, and it's funny, Joe, you should bring up, I think you brought up April or whatever, or March. Yeah, Yeah, that's when you panic. If you're in this situation, then that's when you panic. So I just want you to know, Brandon, I share exactly your sentiments, but I have been revived because I had a four-time Stanley Cup champion, dear friend of mine, um, tell me not to worry. And I trust that he knows this better than I do (laughs) (laughs) just on a hunch maybe um so uh, right maybe and um so but you know the thing of it is the 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 things that are wrong I think we all know what they are it's interesting too Joe you know I want to let people know man listen to this podcast because you hear it here first right and you get to communicate with us it's fantastic um 
at almost I'm willing to bet you statistically, Joe, if you go back to our last show, 70 to 80 percent of what we talked about is exactly what Ozzy and Larry Murphy said in their postgame analysis last night after the yeah. Winnipeg game. It was exactly I mean, you know, what are the issues? Momentum. We talk about momentum all the time when there's a shift in the momentum and then you just kind of go downhill when they scored those three goals on us. You know, it was a momentum shift. You have to be aware of those things. The most powerful force in the universe. And the Red Wings are often uh, subject to that, right? Uh, th- that momentum shift. you got to be aware of how to handle those things. Defense. The fact that the defensive hockey has been abysmal. I mean, everybody knows that they've got to play defensive hockey. We talked about that last week. That's key to them moving forward and becoming more successful and getting us deeper into the playoffs. I know people are concerned they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. But we've got to start playing better defensive hockey because the D zone coverage is absolutely disastrous. We've got to figure that out. And the reality is we had been having problems in net from the beginning of the season. Okay. That is nothing new, but now we have an opportunity to make some changes. Granted forced on us, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And then you just got to give these guys time to gel. That's the other yeah. thing Chris Osgood was very clear on yesterday. It's what I talked about last week. You've got to give them time to gel. So just because they have this little stretch that's ugly and difficult for all of us, um, it is just a temporary thing. You've got too much talent on this roster, and you've got too many guys who uh, are adequately unhappy with the current results. They're not going to let this be their legacy for the season. So hang in there. It's going to get better. But uh, I think they need a rest. I think they need a break, and they just need a little bit more time. They're going to be just fine. Yeah, I think what you just hit on, I mean, Edward in the um, comments said Kane has been great. They just need to figure out line chemistry. I think this is something that me and you have hit on uh, ad nauseum pretty much, is that, you know, everything's about chemistry. You know, when I play ball hockey, um, which we just won a championship, and I can get my championship trophy right there, but maybe later in the podcast. But anyways. <laughs> You're such a boss, Joe. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but chemistry. Yeah, baby, let's talk about it. Everybody chemistry, knows chemistry is key. Chemistry is the number one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I digress. Chemistry is, the, chemistry is the number one thing. I mean. You bet. You can't have, if you don't have chemistry in sports, especially hockey and football, those are two, those two sports where you need chemistry. I mean, it's kind of like dating. You have to have chemistry with the person that you're dating or married to. Like, if you don't have chemistry, I'm going to tell you this right now. Probably not going to work out your, in your in your favor or your husband's favor or your wife's favor, whatever. whatever, whatever it's not going to be cool. It's not going to no. be cool. I mean, how really seriously, Joe, I don't know if you've had this experience. I've had this experience myself. All of us out there probably had it. You go out with somebody and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is an absolutely, like, the, off the charts, 10. 10 plus on the rating scale, right? But you're like, you kiss the guy, you kiss the girl, and it's like kissing your brother or your sister. You're like, what the heck's that about? This this should have been knocking my socks off, man. I should be to the moon by now. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's like, and you're disappointed. You're like, damn, how's that? Chemistry. Just chem- there wasn't chem- any chemistry. It's it. Chem- chemistry is huge, especially in, yeah. in hockey, too. I mean, hockey is what, like, if you don't have chemistry with your line mates, uh, you know, like, you could see Kane and Debrinket, they have so much chemistry together that they know where each other are going to be at a certain point, right? 
And that's kind of what we're talking about, you know, and, and Kane's going to have to develop that with his guys like Larkin and especially on the power play. I could see it right there. Cause there's times that Kane has a shot to take a, he he's winding up to take the shot and he kind of misses on it. Cause it's not as fast as he expects. Maybe it's slower than he expects, or maybe it's just like a little bit different than, you know, he's used to. And those are all things that you adjust to over the course of a year. And that's why it's good that you got Kane in December and not like, February, March. So that's a good part. Absolutely. And here's the thing with chemistry. What actually is happening? What happens is when you have good chemistry with someone, and you alluded to it here, your play on the ice becomes intuitive. Yep. Why is that important? It's be important because you can think, you can feel faster than you can think, right? So you're feeling the game. You're feeling where they're at. You just instinctively know you have intuition about the play instead of having to think about it. And when they're having to think, then they're taking that split second more to move into position. They're taking that split second more to, to, to uh, handle that puck a certain way. Um, and it costs you that. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but when it, but it all does add up. So that intuitive play over, let's say an academic play where you're, you know, you're thinking the game, you're feeling the game. And that is what, how important chemistry is and that's what it does and the result at the end of the day um is that you're just a little bit faster you're just a little bit um sharper you're just a little bit uh quicker on draws you're just a little bit um uh one step or one half a step ahead of the other guy uh who's got you covered and you're gonna beat him that's the benefit of intuition on the ice yeah that's that's the major point and i think that chemistry is something that they're gonna have to they're going to have to get worked out because, you know, we talk about the issues all the time, Cindy. And, you know, we could keep talking about all the issues that they have. But they re- the, re- the, the real reason for the issues they have right now is chemistry and staying healthy. Now, you can't help the defensive portion of the, the – I mean, they've been better defensively, but not as what you expect. And I, I think if you look across the league, I mean, teams are struggling defensively. Like, let's be honest. Like, this this league, there's a lot of teams that are struggling defensively. You're not alone. I mean, there's there's teams that are literally cycling two lines because that's the only two lines that they feel comfortable with. So it's kind of an NHL issue right now, which speaks to the broader spectrum of the game that is, is way beyond this podcast. I mean, if you, it's more about, you know, there's not there's players coming up that are not ready to play at this moment. So, and I think eventually, I think Stevie Y is going to make a move either either. Um, and I, I want to talk to you about this, Cindy. It's it's really simple. Um, I think I think Steve Eiserman is going to make a move at some point, and it doesn't have to be a trade or nothing like that. But what I look at is I look at Simon Evanson in the Grand Rapids. And I think of what he could do on this defensive, uh, on this defensive pairings on this team. And obviously, you would have to trade someone because there's a log jam of defensemen in front of him. Which this is what we talked about when they signed some of these guys, or they traded for Jeff Petrie, is that eventually, you know, Simon Madison's going to he's going to force his way up, right? So at some point, I could see you getting Edmondson up, you know. I could see you getting reinforcements. So I look at this little brief time and I think that it's just, you got to survive the storm. That's basically what it is. You know, I heard. Yeah, well, go ahead. I heard on NHL network, the radio the other day, and he was talking about the Red Wings. It was, I think it was, I think it was Bill Roos, not Bill Roos, uh, Rob Roos. 
the guy who played under Robbins. I forget. I'm forgetting the name. It's escaped me. But because I didn't get to see him on TV, so I don't know. I don't. I didn't know who it was. But then I figure out who it was. But he said, you know, the Robbins have such a deep prospect system that they can reach into the prospect pool at any given time and say, this is who we're going with. And we talk about it all the time with Steve Eisenman that you know he's a guy that he's not afraid to make moves at a moment's notice. So I look at this and I go, there's a chance that Edmondson can come up at some point. And I think that if things keep going the way that they're gonna they're going, especially with the goaltending, we talked about it at nauseum again. I think there's a move that has to be made at goaltender. And I think he will make a move at goaltender because none of your prospects right now are ready. Kosa and Augustine, who's playing really, really well at Michigan State, but he's gonna be playing at the World Juniors. I mean, I just think that at some point, if Hutchinson doesn't, you know translate if he doesn't do good enough i think they're going to be looking outside the organization for a goalie but i think their defenseman that they're looking for is in is in grand rapids okay so let me take those things one at a time first off do i think steve is going to make a move um for a goalie or or a defenseman or if he's going to bring somebody up so First off, Steve is always three or four steps ahead of everybody else. Uh, he already knows. He's already got contingency plans in place. It's just how he functions. Uh, he's just, what he does is he has contingency plans. And then it's kind of an if-then. If this happens, then I'll do this. If this happens, then I'll do that. And he's always got eyes everywhere, all over the game in every level, so that he can pull those resources from wherever he needs them, depending on if the situation presents itself. So that's just how the guy works. So. Um, don't, so be not afraid as Darren would say, because Steve's really, that's, that's, you couldn't ask for a better GM, better GM to be on top of it. Now, will he pick up another goalie? I believe he will. I will tell you that at the end of the day, as big as I was on Michael Hutchinson, as much pros, uh, much hope promise I have for him. Um, I don't think he's going to be the caliber goalie. Steve is going to need in the playoffs. He's not a playoff goalie and either Schreimer in my mind. Um, I think he's going to look for that. So yes, I think he will make that move. I think he will bring on another goalie um, who can make him, you know, more value in the playoffs. Number two, Simon Edmondson in the defenseman, right down in Grand Rapids. So here's the thing with Simon Edmondson. And I know that there's a lot of Simon Edmondson fans out there. Okay. I know I like him too, but here's what I observed personally and what I have been told um, about Simon Edmondson. He's got some great attributes. His size is a huge thing. Um, some of the way he plays, there are, there are some uh, nuances of his play that are very intriguing. It could be very valuable. Um, and that primarily comes from, you know, his training overseas in Europe. So uh, Steve likes those things. Here's the downside to Simon Edmondson and why you don't see him on the roster and why you didn't see him on the roster before. They keep trying to bring him up because of those things that are so valuable that I just mentioned. Here's the problem. Simon Edmondson's very young and he has many of the trappings of youth, which is, you know, energy and, and, and a young body and all this stuff, which is great. But he also has some of the detriments of it. And that is he's a little cocky. Uh, mm -hmm. He, he's he's having some a hard time sometimes taking constructive criticism. Um, he, he's not quite as teachable as they would like him to be. He had a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder, a little bit of attitude. Now he started to round that off a little bit this season. It was real. It was really evident when he first got here. They're like, hey, a lot of talent, but attitude's got to get in line. So 
and he has curbed that a little bit. Uh, he had a little talking to, I think a couple of them, and they, they got him to curb that a little bit, but uh, he's still not quite there in terms of uh, really being able to fit in. It's not that he doesn't have the skill, but they're also working on that. He's a little bit uh, slow, and mm-hmm. they're trying to get him a little quicker, uh, especially on release and stuff like that. His release isn't quite as quickly quick as they would, would like it to be and stuff like that. So um, there's a couple elements of Simon Edvinson's uh, game that they're still polishing, which is why he's in Grand Rapids, not on the roster. So do I think he'll bring him up? Um, I think it's possible. However, however, uh, when you have a defenseman, one of the defensemen we haven't talked about who's been really solid, and I'm so glad he got to see a little bit of what more he can do, and that's Olimata. Uh, they liked Olimata when they first brought him in. He's kind of a quieter guy. You don't hear a lot about him. He's not one of those marquee players that's going to stand out to you. But he has been solid, solid, solid uh, in the defensive role, This in the role he's been in. Um, since the season started, and now he's starting to produce offense as well. So mm-hmm. a very valuable player in Olimata, more so than maybe people realize. So um, I, I'm not sure. Again, you talk about chemistry, Joe. I think the Edvinson element, they had him working with Olimata, and that's another reason I bring it up, because in training camp they had him paired with him quite a few times, and I don't know if that is something they would be looking to do. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um but but I'm not sure on that. So I think that that's a maybe. So I think those those are the two things you asked me about, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think you gave a great synopsis on why Evanson isn't on the roster, and I also heard the same thing. But you know, I think at some point with the installation of uh, veteran leaders that you have, I think that you can eventually bring him up and and, and say like, look, we're to give you a try, maybe a five game, six game try, right? And if it's if you're can, you know, you can't take criticism real well, or you're kind of cocky. I mean, you better back it up. You know, I think that a lot of players in this league, I think the, I think a lot of players in this league, like the JJ Proteca uh, guy from uh, Buffalo, he's a very cocky player. Uh, you could tell by the way he plays the game, but man, does he fun to watch. And I just think that, I think when you think about being cocky, you better back it up. You know, I think a lot of people, Look at Steve Eisenman, they go, that's what I want in a hockey player. But, you know, these kids coming up nowadays, um, it's funny because I was listening to Spin Chicklets and they're like, ah, this, these kids coming up nowadays, they're nothing like they would when we came up, you know, because, and they're not even that old. They're like in their, their mid 30s or right. 40s. So, so, right. So, so if they're saying something, you're, you're obviously seeing like a trend with these young kids. And the way I look at it is, it's a great situation for a young player to come into because Steve Eisenman knows what to expect from his, uh, his players. And I think that's, you know, the veteran leadership on the team, whether it be, you know, David Perron or Patrick Kane or Alex Brinkett or Dylan Larkin or David Perron, those are great to have in the room. You know, if you do bring up a kid. So that's what I look at. I think that's why Stevie White insulated this room with leaders. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that were wondering why did they why did they sign all these players if they have these great prospects down there and, and I it's something along the lines of what you should have said. What you just said is absolutely true. You know, these players they gotta come up and they gotta they gotta be ready to play and not just ready to play at a skill level, but ready to play at a a, a mental level. 
And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people who watch hockey, they don't really realize that. Because when you go to play in the NHL, you are going to be, there's going to be times where you look like crap. There's just reality. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because like I was talk I was, I heard J- Jared Goff on, on 971 Ticket. He's like, you know, sometimes I play bad and I know I play bad. So I got to kind of shove it off. I think that's what that's what it is with hockey. Like you're, you, sometimes you're gonna make the wrong play, you're gonna make the wrong pass, you're gonna make the wrong pinch, and it's gonna end up in the back of your net. And the reality of the situation is, you had better have the mental fortitude as a young player to kind of put yourself and say, "Okay, that was a bad play. Let's go on to the next play." And I think with these goalies that you have on the roster right now, especially Huso, I see a little bit of mental gymnastics in their head too and there's been now you know what i'm about to say cindy because you know i'm a goalie and i, <laughs> I goalie. yeah goalies are the most fragile players on the ice they're weird they're just weird they're not weird. <laughs> they're not weird i'd say fragile it's kind of like a closing pitcher in baseball or a kicker in hockey uh, kicker in football like those three those three positions i don't know what it is but when they're bad Holy hell, they are bad. But when they're good, you're like, wow, this is great. Like this guy's awesome. And then when they're kind of in the middle, you're like, well, why can't he be better? Like there's always, <laughs> there's never, yeah. a, there's never a happy medium. And so I, I look at those three positions. I go, man, those are some weird guys at at the start. And I look at the goalies right now, and I see James Reimer. I think when he gets when he gets some goals scored on him, he kind of goes into a shell. Uh, Alex Lyon, I think he, I think I think he's played pretty well for the most part but there's been games where he's played he's let a couple in and kind of manifested itself and Huso is another one you know I, we didn't see this Huso before so I don't know where it came from but I mean he gets goal scored on him and it's 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 in a hurry like there's some saves that he should be making he's not making and this is what we're talking about you know I know a lot of people are clamoring for Sebastian Costa to be a, called up to the roster and you know what you just hit on about Simon Evanson about how you know maybe it's about the mental fortitude, kind of like the mental gymnastics game of that. That's probably why coasting it's called up. Cause... It, could, it could very well be. And I'll, I'll tell you that the one guy that the first thing that they mentioned about him and the reason why he got on the roster and has stayed on the roster, yes, his skill level, but Moritz Sider, the first, one of the first things you will find anybody saying about Moritz Sider is his maturity level that maturity they always level, yep. comment on it always yep. most cider even as much as his his actual skill set his hockey skills were involved what impressed management and what impressed the decision makers at the red wings organization about most cider was his level of maturity for his age and that really is what earned him a spot uh over you know all other things being equal, okay? That's what earned more cider spot. And as you can see, he's flourished. Yeah, he had a sophomore slump, of course. But again, how did he handle that? He handled it with the maturity level of a much more seasoned player. And that's what they need. They need those young bodies. They need those that fresh skill. They need all of that. But yet with the mental acuity and maturity level, of a, of a five, six, seven year veteran. That's a sweet spot. And that is why Mo Sider is so incredibly valuable and um, why, you know, 
I, I think of, of anybody, I mean, we talk about guys who are untradeable. Most cider, I would call un. Yeah. I have same thing with Dylan Larkin for different reasons. But um, when we talk about speaking of trades and you we're talking about Simon Edmondson a little bit, uh, and then we're talking about, you know, or what the possibility is of maybe Steve Eiserman doing a trade for a goalie and what prospect he could choose from. Uh, Jonathan Berggren or Jonathan Berggren uh, has his name has come up quite a bit. I think people were a little shocked. I think they were a little disappointed that the Red Wings would choose or consider Jonathan Berggren to be up on the trading block. But the reality is that he's looking for the trade, too. And that just came out recently as well. Because he's looking for some more ice time. He's looking for some playing time. He's looking for some NHL time. And he's looking to go to an organization that might be able to provide that to him. Because the reality is there's just no spot for him on this roster right now. Um, and I think, especially with Patrick King coming on, I think that was kind of the last drop. I remember it was like, well, screw it. I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, my chances just went from slim to none. And, um, you know, he's looking for that opportunity. So, and Steve is very good. It wouldn't surprise me if he did get traded uh, in perhaps a trade for, a defenseman or goalie or something like that because Steve is very um, responsive to players needs and desires for their own interests and their own careers. You know, I mean, he's not a jerk that way. Uh, He's very good about that. And, um, and, and he tries to accommodate that when possible. So with regards to, to prospect trading and potential trades or whatever, if you see Jonathan Bergeron uh, on the go, I think it's mutually beneficial, and I think that's actually uh, very generous of Steve to give him that opportunity should that happen. And I think it probably will, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, that's that's an interesting kind of tidbit. Um, cause You're muted, you, Joe. We can't hear you. No, I'm, I'm, you can hear me. <laughs> you just oh. want me to carry the show? I got it. <laughs> no, but um, I think that's an inter- interesting tidbit that you have uh, right there because, you know, one of the things I always say about these young players is, like, if – you're not if you're afraid to compete at a high level. I don't really want you on the roster, anyways. So if if they can find um, if they can find something, uh, you can't. You still can't hear me. I can now. You're good. Oh. All right, because I, I don't know what the hell was going on, but um, yeah, like I said, if you if you're not if you're afraid to compete, like that's an issue in itself. Like you should be able to compete with uh, your team, and you should be able to compete at, for your your spot. I mean, that's part of the, that's part of sports. Like you, you always want to compete at a high level, and if you really want to spot in the roster, I mean, you got to compete with good players. That's just the way it goes. And if you think that you're a great player, you shouldn't have any worries about competing against like the Valenos, the Rasmussens, and all that stuff. Like you really shouldn't. So, if they could make a trade with Bergeron and get a goalie that's mutually beneficial for both parties. I don't really want Berger on the roster if he's going to be like that. I mean, it's hap- you know, we don't know if that's considerably true, but if it is true that he is kind of um kind of initiating kind of like Steve Eisenman's hand, then you got to really think about it in a realistic standpoint like he's not really wanting to compete with other players on the roster because why? Do you know what I'm saying like because why? Yeah, like, I, I- I'm not sure, you know, that just came out recently. I think it was, uh, I forgot what uh, news source uh, reported that today, but I read that today out there in one of the 
one of the blogs or one of the news sources. And I, I, I will tell you, I honestly do not have any personal information on that particular score. So I can't say that. It's just that it was reported. And I thought, well, if that's the case, then it, it wouldn't surprise me as to why we've heard some of these rumors that are coming out of there, just because I know, you know, that Steve wants to give these guys every opportunity to succeed. And um, he's got a history of doing that with various players. And um, so, you know, I know people were a little concerned about it, but, uh, you know, I, I think that it was a mutually, it'll be a mutually agreed upon uh, decision when and if it's made. So. Muted again. There we go. I'm muted again. I just muted myself. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I, no worries, what you just said is true because like, we don't know if it's if it's true or not. Like we were going off of a report of some substantial claim, and if it is true, well, I really don't really want him on the team anyways because he's not ready to compete. But here's the thing: if there is a trade to be made, I think Bergeron's the first one to go. Well, I think he offers some value on the trading block for sure. You know, uh, there's no doubt that he's got some uh, significant talent that can be. Um, really nurtured and, and be a great benefit to some of these organizations out there that are struggling with forward, you know, uh, talent. So um, it's interesting also too. like, I'll tell you, if, if I, if I hear something from one of my sources, like when Anthony Manta got traded, like when DeBrinkett was coming here, like when Patrick Kane was coming here and I said, Hey, look, wouldn't surprise me if you heard this. My sources are telling me X. You know, we had some people saying, oh, well, where are your sources? What's your source? I want to say, I'm the source. You know, <laughs> people I'm talking to. And, of course, we've said this before. We can't disclose those sources because then we wouldn't have them anymore. So, right. um, but in this case, I will tell you, it's not from one of my sources, just something I read. So, uh, we'll always make sure to tell you that, by the way, too. And uh, so... Uh, what I do expect to see, though, I do expect Steve to make more changes. Uh, I think we can wait wait to see that. You're going to expect to see that. And he's way ahead of this curve. Um, I don't want to say it was uh, expected. Uh, it's somewhat unexpected circumstances. But Steve always has contingency plans in place. So uh, he had a contingency plan in place for this. And I think he's going to execute that plan um, as soon as he has the capability to do that. Yeah, I think that, you know, Steve Eisman, I think he's thinking of everything on the table right now. I think that with his addition of Patrick Kane, I think he believes this team is a playoff team. That's my my thinking. I'm pretty sure that's Steve Eisman's thinking too. Yes, he does. So I think I think he's going to be more aggressive with this team. I think he's going to be, you know, we know that Steve, the one thing we do know about Steve Eisman, he's not afraid to make a move and he's not afraid to be aggressive. That's one of the things I can admire about Steve Eisman is, you know, a lot of people got in on him when over the, you know, the first couple of years he was here because he didn't make some big free agent acquisition or because they were still rebuilding. You know, you know what I'm saying? They're not going to make some big play for a free agent when they're rebuilding. It's just not. It's not the reality. But as this team has got better, he's made more and more moves to get better. And the Alex Brinker trade was one of those trades where you go, okay, he thinks that this team is close. And the addition of Patrick King kind of reaffirmed that. So I think he's going to look at this from the realistic standpoint that he does is he's going to give these guys a little bit of time, but he's also going to be kind of notching down what this team needs at the trade deadline when they get there. Because I think that there's still, 
there's still a lot of season to play, so it can go either way. But I think he's gonna he's he thinks that they are a playoff team and they're gonna be in a playoff position at trade deadline. And it's smart to think that way because you can do your scouting right now, and then if you get to the trade deadline and you're in one of those playoff teams that had is on the cusp, you can make that move, and it's you've already thought about it. You know, that's one thing about Steve Eisenman we could say he's always one step ahead, you know. Yep. And um, with with the with the way that just dra- him and Brad Holmes, the Lions general manager, they have they have a lot in common. And the one thing I could say about their common approach is they're patient, but at some point they do make a move. But they really do value both both general managers value chemistry, they value leadership, and they value a certain way of you, your play. And that's one thing that you can see from both those guys because you know Eisman bringing in Petrie and. To Brinkett and Kane and Perron and Comfer. Like people didn't really give Comfer the due that he, he was given because he signed a big contract and people are like, what a massive overpay. But look how good that contract is looking right now. And that's what Steve Eisenman looks at. And that's how he built champ that's how you build a championship roster. You make these moves that a lot of people on the outside say, Oh, what an overpay. What what a dumb decision. And it's like both these general managers, Steve Eisman and Fred Holmes, they've done this a couple of times and made people look stupid. So that's what I look at. It, well, the thing of it is when people uh, – it, it's amazing to me when people try to say, you know, Steve Eisman is, is caught flat-footed, he's unaware or something like that. And, and I'm like, where – what planet are you on? <laughs> Steve Eisman's never unaware. If anything – he is probably such a hands-on general manager. He seems sometimes a little distant and aloof. Like a lot of times, like he does not usually uh, fly on, on the team plane, just so you know. He doesn't travel with the team usually. Um, he keeps that kind of distance, and there's a reason that he does it. That's just, that's just how he rolls. But the guy knows everything that's going on. He might not be on those team plane trips, but he knows exactly what's being said on that plane. Um he is, you know, he always knows what's going on. Look where he's at right now. He's always got his eye to the future. Always. He's at the junior, um, the junior tournament. Yeah. Right yeah. now. Scouting. This guy's always looking to the future. And, and, isn't, and, and he's, he's scouting his own players too. Absolutely. He got players. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's, there, there are, there is, it is very rare if ever that he is unaware of something. So that doesn't mean you always agree with his decisions. Maybe you think he should have done something sooner, should have waited on something else. Maybe you should have made a bigger move, shouldn't have made a move, whatever the case might be. But the guy isn't unaware. I I, I promise you that. Um, And when they're coming into these next couple of games here, they're going to come up against the Flyers, and then they got to play the Devils. They're going to play the Devils in New Jersey. Aha, there you go. Um, They're playing the Flyers here, and then they're going to be playing the Devils in New Jersey. We've actually been performing very well against New Jersey, and they're a tough, tough, tough team. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking – I really am looking for the Red Wings to split that. I, I think actually I have a feeling they're probably going to lose to Philly. I don't know why, but I think they're going to beat the Devils. So um, I think they're going to – if they split those, that's great. Okay? Any win before Christmas – uh, is going to be huge psychologically. I would love for them to beat. In fact, if I had to choose, I would rather they beat New Jersey in New Jersey because it's that last game before the break and, and going into the break 
with a win under their belt, I think will pay huge dividends psychologically. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right about that. I think when you look ahead to the schedule, I think the Friday game, I think they have a good shot to win because I think they're at home. Uh, and I also like the Jersey game because – and if they could win one of them, that would be huge. I think you're right about going into the break with a win, though. But if you win two of them, that's the confidence builder right there. You know, that's that's a, that's a, that's a confidence kind of streak that you really want to get on. And then you go into the break and you're, hope, you're hoping – hopefully – you get some guys back. You get some people back to help you out, you know, down the stretch. And that hopefully you stay not injured because, you know, that's that's a health is a big issue. You know, some of these teams in, in the in the sport, the reason they fall off is because of injuries. Like, you know, this is a salary cap league and it's a lot of these teams are strapped to the gill. So, you know, we looked at the last couple games, Cindy, and, you know, they lost the Hurricanes that the last, you know, when we last talked. They lost the Flyers. That was in Philadelphia. That was a kind of that was a weird game. The Red Wings had so many chances, and it was just weird that they that happened. Um, the Ducks game was a game that I watched at, at nauseum. I kind of watched it twice, which is kind of sad. But anyways, because well, how, how did how did you hold your cookies down for that one? Twice well, or less. Here's what I here's what I did. I so I went back and watched that Ducks game. Right, and I felt like the Red Wings played a pretty damn good game. Now, I think there was mental lapses, and we talked about the mental aspect earlier with the Edmonds and stuff, but I thought there was mental lapses that allowed the uh, young Anaheim Ducks team to get a little bit of a boost. And then, you know, you try to you, you try to play catch-up, and you can't play catch-up in this league. You just can't. So the way I look at it from my standpoint, you know, the Winnipeg game, that's a game that, you know, you kind of win in there and – Winnipeg's a tough place to play, and then when you put it in the factor of you're pretty much starting your third goaltender, not a good, not a good situation to be in, guys. Like, there's not really a good situation to be in. So, I don't know, Joe. That that the Anna Anaheim game just made me sick to my stomach. I mean, my stomach was turning in that game. I was made me sick. And uh, watching that game last night, I had a hard time keeping it down. I was so, I mean, I was just beside myself. Again, I'm not supposed to be this emotionally invested, but I can't help it, right? I mean, you get, you know, it's the best part about this game is it gets you emotionally invested. I don't care what well, time of the, year it is. The, the way the way I kind of saw seen it with the, with that game um, yesterday, I thought it was a game that I, I figured when they went into it, I figured they were going to lose. I mean, I just you kind of you kind of can get a feel of what's going to happen, and I feel like Winnipeg is a team that they're 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 much more talented than most people give them credit for. And I feel like that Winnipeg trip is just, it's just a, it's a bad, it's a hard place to play. Number one, it's a hard travel. And when you're not healthy, like the the Red Wings aren't right now, you kind of put yourself in a predicament where you're kind of like, oh, we got to go travel to freaking Winnipeg. Like, you don't want to go to Winnipeg. Like, who the hell wants to go to Winnipeg? Nobody wants to go to Winnipeg. It's probably like negative 45 right there. Right. Right. So there's no one that's like going, yeah, let's go take a vacation in Winnipeg in the wintertime. So, <laughs> right, yeah, Mickey Redmond talks about that all the time. I'll tell you, you know, you know what always makes me nervous, and and this is upcoming in January and February. This is where I'm going to get nervous, right? That California trip. Yep, that West Coast trip. Yeah. It screws us every time. I don't know what the hell happens. I don't know if it's it's a time change thing. We talk, we joke about this right every year, and we don't know if it's you know the blondes <laughs> on the beach in California that are distracting <laughs> these guys or what, you know. But something goes very wrong when we go out on the West Coast. So that well, West you know, Coast trip has me you know, nervous. 
you know the Spin Chiglets podcast, and and they did a they did an accurate description of this when they had, I think they had Trevor Zegers on, or one of the Ducks. They had one of the Ducks on, whatever. But they were like the even the Ducks players even see like, yeah, when we when players come in when the teams come into Anaheim, they usually don't play their best game, and there is a really big reason for that. If I, I mean, were those clubs, Joe, I'll tell you what. If I were those clubs, knowing that. I'd have a whole line of busty blondes right outside the rink or the hotel that they're coming <laughs> into and saying, you free margaritas, trips to the beach, you know, um, you know, pregame with us. I don't care, man. I would have all kinds of temptation just sitting there waiting for them, knowing, you know, trying to uh, really capitalize on that weakness. And, and uh, that's what I would do. But, you know, I'm evil that way. Yeah. But, um, I'm but pretty yeah. sure there's. I'm pretty sure the talk. I'm pretty sure teams do that. Like I'm. They should. Like when you're when you're going to Tampa Bay. Like I mean, I'm pretty sure people are like, yeah, I'm gonna go to the beach too because I really need to go to the beach or Florida. The Florida Panthers. Like I know they play in Sunrise, Florida, but they're not far from Miami. So right on. <laughs> so that's... like, you go to South Beach. Um, yeah, that's gonna throw your game off a little bit. <laughs> I mean. For sure, for it's sure. You know, they're at all the clubs and they're out there having a good time and enjoying themselves. But going um, I'm, worried, I'm worried about the West Coast uh, trip. Absolutely. Uh, because it's always been an Achilles heel for us. And if we just start getting some momentum going and then we got to go on that trip and then get the you know air gets deflated out of the balloon again, I'll be I, I don't like what that might do psychologically to him because the other one coming up. Uh, in January and well, more like February is that Canadian trip. That Canadian trip where they're going to come up against the Oilers, the Canucks, Calgary, that's and they go on to Seattle. That's, that's, that's going to be tough. Yep, that is a tough, tough trip. And uh, you know, there's a couple teams in there that we should probably uh, certainly win games against. But I think that's going to be that is going to be tough. And and that's another stretch that I'm worried about. Just so everyone watching or listening, I'm telling you right now, those are two parts of the schedule that have always been a challenge for the Red Wings, always. So don't go freaking out when they might lose the majority of those games or go on a little losing streak there because they've done it all the time. So don't think it's because this isn't happening or that's not happening or Steve Eiserman should be, you know, didn't do this or whatever. It's historically been challenging for the Red Wings. So that's why it's so important that the Wings can pick up some solid wins get a little bit on a streak, get some winning momentum going in some of these other parts of the schedule that are coming up that are maybe a little bit more amenable to them because those when those other pieces come in um, and that all happens before the, um, the uh, I think it all happens before the All-Star break. Nope. Okay, so the Canadian trip is right after the All-Star break. So, yeah. um, you know, mid-February. So those those are two kind of tenuous times, and so just hang on, everybody. If that happens, know that we remind you that it always does. So, but we got to make up some wins. We got to get some win streaks and momentum going going into those. So hopefully, uh, they're not as harsh as as they could be. Yeah, look at that schedule. Like you just said, you got the you go to Minnesota on twenty seventh. You come home against the Preds and the Bruins. Those are not easy games because you know the Preds can play pretty good hockey and they have good goaltending. The Bruins are the Bruins. We've been playing pretty well against them, so I'm pretty confident in that game. But you look at the January schedule. January 2nd, you got the Sharks in San Jose. You got the Kings in L.A., Ducks in Anaheim. Then you come home, you play the you play the Oilers, the Kings. You go to Toronto. You go to 
Florida, you go to Carolina, you play the Lightning, you play the Stars, you play the Flyers, you play the Golden Knights and the Senators. That's a tough month of January. So that's what I'm saying. They're gonna. The hope is that they get healthy going into that January. Um, you know, going into January because if you go into January and you're healthy, that that's that's one thing that would help them out tremendously. But you're also going to have to get good goaltending going into January, and that's going to be something that they're going to have to iron out. And we're going to be talking about it a lot in this this podcast. But it's been a great show today, Cindy, and um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people enjoyed it. We had a lot of people that were chiming in and giving their um, their opinions on the Red Alert podcast, on the Red Alert Detroit Red Wings podcast page, also the Between the Whistles YouTube page, my Twitter, and uh, my, my personal Facebook and your personal Facebook. So a lot of people enjoyed it. Uh, I'm pretty sure the people that are going to be listening to this on the Apple or Spotify, go to the Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and search up the Red Alert uh, Detroit Red Wings podcast. If you liked what you heard or you kind of missed blips and blurbs and you want to go back and listen to more and rate and review us because that's what they, they say you should uh, have. The yes, rate, rate and yeah. review us, even if it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we're hoping that it's good because we love all of you guys out there and we're all pulling for the wings. And uh, also make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel because a lot of times we have special content on there that you don't yep. get in, in any of the other platforms. And a lot of videos and stuff. Joe is one of the best at pulling great video footage. He puts together some fantastic stuff that's totally unique to us that you will really, really enjoy. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Yeah, so I appreciate everyone for watching and listening on the either on the podcast or watching us on Facebook Live or YouTube Live or Twitter. It was great to talk hockey, and we're going to do this again next week, Cindy. Yeah. But, but if you are a fan of the show, we are starting the Cindy and Joe show. It's rebooting kind of thing next week. Uh, we'll kind of figure out what date it's going to be. We'll post it, but that'll be fun. It's going to be more about, you know, just – it's going to be way above the spectrum of hockey, but we'll talk, we'll talk about a lot of things because Cindy, you know, me and her, when me and her start talking, it's, it, it can go a lot of different ways. So that's <laughs> where it goes. We are going to talk about things that other but people we, don't from but we a like totally to different on, perspective. We stay on task on this podcast because we know that people kind of get a little bit, especially the hockey crowd, you know, Oh, I don't like, you know, some of the funny business that happens on <laughs> these podcasts. That I want, <laughs> I want this the uh, serious podcast. Like we're, you know, like Pat Caputo on 97 won the ticket, you know, hear hearing him say, you know, the Rebels are a good team, you know. Uh, very, very I like their Corsi rating. It's like okay, dude. Like you're boring me to tears. Thank God for Ken Kell and and, and uh Danella Bruce, which you know, she's one of your constituents, uh Mrs. Cindy Berry. Yeah, she's um, out here in my neck of the woods for sure. I haven't had a chance to meet her yet, actually, but we uh, should, her, she's lovely. We should, we should get her on the podcast soon. And um yeah. thank you guys for listening and watching, and we will talk to you on the next Red, Red Alert podcast. Hopefully we have a little bit better of uh kind of podcast on being more cheerful and happy. But Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy, you know, stay safe, whatever you you celebrate, and happy New Year to you guys. And we'll see you in the new year because I think we're going to do it after, but we might do a little podcast next week. I don't know. We'll see. But thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next Red Alert podcast. Thanks for watching and listening, and we will see you then. See you then.